Welcome to The Trip Lab, kitchen table conversations about integrative medicine and psychedelics. I'm your host and resident physician, Dr. Mariella Wood. Today, we have another solo episode. I'm doing this to sort of round out what I've talked about in my past two solo episodes, with episode six being about adaptogens and episode seven being about mind-body medicine. So both of those episodes focused on the stress response and how that relates to and actually causes disease. With the adaptogenics episode, I talked about the HPA access and cortisol, so more of the endocrine stress response. And then in the mind-body episode, I talked about the autonomic nervous system, which is more the neurological stress response. Both the endocrine and the nervous system stress response in turn go and affect all of the rest of the organs in the body and cause disease, like high blood pressure, diabetes, cancer, and a whole lot more. The last piece of this is the immune system and inflammation. So we are finding out more and more that chronic low levels of inflammation are linked to at least 8 of the 10 leading causes of death in the United States. And this inflammation is primarily a result of our lifestyle. So that means diet, if we exercise or not, our mental stressors, our environment, and a whole lot more. When I talked about the endocrine and nervous system stress response, we touched a little bit on inflammation and how this leads to disease. But today, we're going to focus more on nutrition and how this plays a huge role in whether we have inflammation in our body or not. So I don't have a whole lot for you in terms of integrative and psychedelic medicine news today, so let's just jump right into inflammation, how that causes disease, and how you can adopt an anti-inflammatory diet to prevent and actually sometimes treat these diseases. So inflammation is part of our immune system and our immune response. So let's chat about that for just a moment. So parallel to all of the arteries and veins that are coursing through your body, you also have a lymphatic system that looks pretty similar, but instead of blood running through it, you have lymphatic fluid and lymphatic tissue. And this is where all of the magic happens in your immune system in conjunction with your spleen and your thalamus, but we're, we're not going to get bogged down on the details. So ultimately, your immune system is your defense, and it's what keeps you alive as long as the rest of your organs are doing their job as well. Most people know the immune system as our protector and protecting us from or fighting infections like bacteria, viruses, fungi, and parasites. But we also forget that the immune system is also there to fight off cancerous cells. And on the other end of the spectrum, when the immune system is hyperactive, it causes autoimmune diseases like lupus and also allergies. We won't go into all the different roles of the immune system because it's not super pertinent to understanding inflammation and how that causes disease at this level, but we can dive deeper into that later if you guys are interested. Specifically, we do have an innate versus an adaptive immune response. So this is more our first-line defense versus how we make antibodies, and it is fascinating, but that will be a different topic for another day. Today, I do want to talk a little bit more about the inflammation response and how that, when present constantly, can actually cause disease. And then we'll talk about how we can change our diet to actually stop that chronic low-level inflammation in our bodies. So inflammation is characterized by a lot of different processes. What is most pertinent to our discussion today is the release of cytokines. 
So examples that you may have heard of is TNF, which cause, which stands for tumor necrosis factor, or the different interleukins, most notably IL-6. So these cytokines then go and upregulate acute phase proteins. This just means proteins that need to do something immediately. And one of those that you may have heard of is called CRP, or C-reactive protein. This is a common lab value that I'll get to a little bit later. So these cytokines also cause the release of prostaglandins and histamines, which basically allow things to travel in and out of your bloodstream quicker in order to fight off whatever infection that they may need to fight off. These cytokines also increase cortisol, which we've talked about a lot in the adaptogenic episode. So refer to that one if if you want to learn more about that. So like I said, inflammation happens when we need to fight something off, say a bacteria or a cancerous cell. However, chronic and consistent inflammation in the body is actually damaging to our internal organs, and they all start to take a hit over time. Like I talked about in the adaptogenic and the mind-body medicine episodes, these periods of acute stress or acute inflammation, acute meaning quick and something that's happening right now, are actually beneficial. It's what keeps you alive and what keeps you dynamic and healthy. But when you are chronically stressed and have chronic inflammation, that is where things start to go wrong. So chronic inflammation ends up changing your body in ways that cause disease, specifically diabetes, cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, depression, and cancer. This may sound a little bit counterintuitive at first because our immune system is there to actually help us fight off cancerous cells. But this chronic low-level inflammation actually blunts this response and puts us at an increased risk for cancer. It also makes vaccines less effective. We aren't able to make enough antibodies to make that vaccine worthwhile. And it makes our body's ability to fight off viruses and bacteria less effective. So super hot topic with COVID right now, as you might expect. So we've discovered all of these things about inflammation because we've done a lot of work with markers in the blood that let us know if there's inflammation or not. So we call them inflammatory markers. And the two main ones that we look at are ESR, which stands for erythrocyte sedimentation rate, which essentially means that this is a measure of plasma viscosity. So plasma being the part of your blood that doesn't necessarily contain the red blood cells and viscosity meaning how thick it is. So the presence of those acute phase proteins in the blood, which get released during inflammation and the inflammatory response, it's going to make your blood more viscose and heavy. And that's what we measure when we're looking at ESR, or erythrocyte sedimentation rate. Literally, it's the sediment that falls at the bottom of the tube. And we have these fancy machines to spit out a number for how much sedimentation there is. We also look at CRP, which stands for C-reactive protein. So this is a protein that reacts with C-polysaccharide of strep pneumo in our lab. It doesn't only react with strep pneumo, which is a bacteria, but that's one that it's most consistent with and helps us actually allow out to spit out a specific number for us. And this one is a little bit better than the ESR because it's more sensitive to subtle changes and it can rise and fall more quickly with our immune response and our inflammation rising and falling quickly. And processed foods are a huge trigger for this. And when I say processed foods, I don't necessarily mean cooked foods, 
I mean foods that have been chemically processed, like chips, or foods that have been fried, or curated meats like salami and sausages. So this processing creates compounds called AGEs, which stand for Advanced Glycation End Products. So AGEs in and of themselves aren't necessarily bad. Normally, our body does produce these naturally when we metabolize things, but in very, very small amounts, and then they get excreted in our urine or our stool. When we process red meat, it does produce a significantly higher amount of AGEs than other foods, but not as much as these processed foods. Our American diet, which incorporates a lot of these chemically processed foods to increase their shelf life or frying them for the taste, produces an enormous amount that our body can't handle, so more than the red meat. Our body then reacts to these toxins by creating inflammation and this chronic inflammation leads to disease. So Alzheimer's, kidney disease, cancer, and so much more. Aside from chemically processing and frying your foods, these AGEs are also produced essentially when any color change happens in your food. So if you were to toast something or bake something, so toasted bread, frozen pizzas, pretzels, condensed milk, or any baked good where you can physically see a color change. Tobacco and smoke also produces a huge amount of AGEs. And I do want to jump back to the red meat for a second because it's not that red meat is bad. So red meat does produce more AGEs than other animal protein sources, but not nearly as much as these fried foods or processed foods. So that's why we say it's acceptable and recommended to eat red meat about once a week Sometimes less, sometimes more. Everyone is a little bit different in how their body's going to respond to things. But red meat does provide us a lot of different vitamins and nutrition that some other proteins might not have. Of course, if you're following a vegetarian or vegan diet, you can get those vitamins and other sources. Sometimes you would need to supplement. But red meat, it's not all bad. It produces more infl inflammation than, let's say, chicken or beans but it's not bad per se, like our processed foods. So ultimately, if we can put everything really simply, the more processed something is, the more inflammation it causes. In addition to that, something that I find so cute and so wholesome is that all in all, when you treat the plants and animals right, they actually benefit your health more. So let me give you some examples of what I mean by that. Take chickens. If you have chickens that live a happy and healthy life and can roam free, they actually produce egg yolks that are orange instead of yellow. And this is because they contain more omega-3s, which are anti-inflammatory, rather than omega-6s, which are inflammatory. You still want some omega-6s, but it's important to have a higher ratio of omega-3s to omega-6s. And when your chickens are happy and healthy, they produce this anti-inflammatory egg. So if you've ever wondered why eggs might make your stomach upset from time to time, it's probably because you're getting eggs from a chicken that was stressed out and then in turn caused their eggs to actually be inflammatory. Another very cute thing that science has discovered, the anti-inflammatory properties of turmeric are actually enhanced when cooked alongside black pepper. So really, it's as if nature created a world in which there were these delicious spices that are supposed to be cooked with. Also along these same lines, eating with the seasons. So spinach that grows from the summer has up to 60% more vitamin C in it than spinach that was grown during the winter months. 
So I just had to bring up these facts because all in all, we're finding out more and more as the, the more we learn that living with nature and flowing with the seasons and cooking and sharing community is actually better for our health in more ways than initially meets the eye. And unfortunately, as humans, we've gone and tried to mass-produce foods and prolong their shelf life by processing them and creating these products that are making us sick, literally causing cancer in our bodies. A huge study that was published sort of recently in 2016 looked at over 50,000 Japanese women that were followed over 15 years. And they discovered that when they started to incorporate Western dietary practices, so processed foods, fried foods, they increased their risk of developing breast cancer to an 83% chance of developing it. When it used to be less than 30% when they were eating their Japanese diet. On top of that... Diabetes only affected 1-5% to of Japanese adults until they started adopting our American diets in the 70s. And I could go on and on about these profound studies, but let's move on. To sum it up, ultimately chips, packaged goods that have a long shelf life, are bad. Fresh veggies, even cooked lightly but not charred. Fresh fruits, whole grains... And when I say whole grains, I'm talking you can literally see the whole grain, not whole wheat bread that just looks a tan color. All of those sort of things is where it's at. On top of that, there are actually a number of foods, herbs, spices, teas, and even delicious treats like chocolate that actually have anti-inflammatory properties. So rather than just not causing inflammation, there are specific things that you can eat to actually combat inflammation. And this is the anti-inflammatory diet. It was first developed by Dr. Andrew Weil, who truly is essentially the father of integrative medicine. He has a fascinating journey into integrative medicine, starting out his career at Harvard, and now is the founder and director of the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona. He was, and is actually, a huge proponent of medicinal mushrooms and psychedelic mushrooms, even before they gained the popularity that they have now. But today, I really wanted to talk to you about his anti-inflammatory diet that he created. And since he started this idea, research has boomed, and all of the top prestigious medical systems around the world are utilizing it and are doing further research into these anti-inflammatory foods. So that's what I want to get into a little bit more with you guys today. So I know I gave you an overview of how inflammation is associated with these diseases, but let me just give you a couple more facts before we dive into specific foods. So first, cardiovascular disease, which is a huge one. Pretty much anyone as they get older develops some sort of cardiovascular disease. So chronic low-level systemic inflammation is actually now considered a primary cause of cardiovascular disease. And when I say cardiovascular disease, I mean any disease of your heart or the blood vessels that ultimately leads to a heart attack or a stroke. And just incorporating extra virgin olive oil into your diet decreases your risk of cardiovascular disease by 28%. Fully incorporating a Mediterranean diet which is a big part of the anti-inflammatory diet, decreases your risk by 40%. Now diabetes. 
So diabetes, as we all know, is caused by dysmetabolism. So this is by eating high glycemic index foods like breads, pastas, or any form of sugar. But it occurs in conjunction with chronic oxidative stress, aka inflammation. Next, cancer. So one out of five cancers are caused by this chronic inflammation, essentially because this state drives tumor cells to actually form in the first place, and it also per- perpetuates their growth and progression. So there have been a lot of studies. I'll kind of summarize a few for them here. One found that eating inflammatory foods in general increased your risk for cancer in general by 25%. And it increased your risk of death from that cancer by 67%. An even more shocking correlation with inflammation and cancer, a high inflammatory diet gives you a 97% increased odds of developing bladder cancer, a 61% increased odds of developing lymphoma, a 46% increased odds of developing endometrial cancer, and the list just keeps going. On top of just the inflammation, we actually also know that obesity actually causes the following cancers. Colorectal cancer, liver cancer, breast cancer in postmenopausal women, endometrial cancer, ovarian, thyroid, gastric, liver, gallbladder, and a couple more. I don't need to continue listing them. You get the point. And specifically, just touching back on red meats for a second, Red meat and processed meat, like salami and pepperoni, is significantly associated with specifically colorectal cancer. So if you have a family history of colorectal cancer, it is really important that you try to cut back on red meats. Chronic inflammation is also associated with a multitude of neurological diseases like MS, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, Huntington's, and interestingly enough, anti-inflammatory foods not only don't cause these, like the inflammatory foods do, but they actually help protect against the development of these disorders. Specifically, the foods that have been studied that actually protect against these neurological disorders are turmeric, quercetin, which is a plant pigment found in red wine, red onions, and berries, thyme, celery, parsley, broccoli, carrots, peppers, cabbage, and apple skins. So with that, let's continue into talking about more foods that are actually anti-inflammatory. Basically, if you get nothing else from this talk, if you combine a Mediterranean diet, which is full of olive oil, vegetables, fish, and whole grains, and also incorporate more traditionally Asian foods like soy, fermented foods, mushrooms, and spices, then you have yourself a diet rich in anti-inflammatory foods. So let me talk about a few of my favorites. First, turmeric, and the active ingredient in it being curcumin, which is a flavonoid found in the turmeric root. The studies for turmeric are phenomenal. It is an extremely potent anti-inflammatory, which can protect against neurodegenerative disease. It lowers cholesterol. It has anti-aging properties. It prevents against immunological disease. And for osteoarthritis, it's actually a better anti-inflammatory and improves symptoms of arthritis better than the NSAIDs, like ibuprofen. And it doesn't work on the COX system like ibuprofen, so it doesn't have all of those harmful side effects like stomach ulcers. 
Other notable anti-inflammatory spices are ginger, cinnamon, cumin, coriander, saffron, black pepper, red pepper, and chili pepper. Next, mushrooms. And I'm definitely going to do a whole episode on these, as I've said before, but specifically for the anti-inflammatory properties, reishi mushrooms are really great with this. They also are starting to be studied for their anti-cancer properties, and in vitro studies have actually showed that they suppress breast cancer growth. Shiitake mushrooms are excellent for improving immune function and also have a great source of vitamin A, B3, B12, C, and D. And other notable mushrooms are maitake and lion's mane. Next, extra virgin olive oil. So delicious and so highly anti-inflammatory. I actually used to work at an olive oil shop slash wine bar, and me and my coworkers would actually literally take shots of olive oil to start our day. We just became so obsessed with how delicious it was and all the different flavors. And when you get good olive oil, you really can just drink it straight. It's so good. Anyways, moving on. I'm not really going to harp on veggies and fruits because I feel like we all know this one by now. So let's move on to a couple other ones. So nuts. Each nut has a unique blend of different anti-inflammatory properties. So hazelnuts are really excellent for skin health. Macadamia nuts actually increase adipocyte lipolysis. So essentially that's a fancy word for saying fat breakdown. And peanuts contain all 20 amino acids in addition to all of their anti-inflammatory molecules. Next, tea so, so good for you. And I just recently learned, maybe you guys know this, but tea is actually only considered tea if it contains part of the tea plant. I know that sounds obvious, but I guess herbal teas that really only have herb spices in it isn't actually tea. So when I'm talking about tea, I mean white tea, oolong tea, black tea, and green tea are all just different parts and fixations of the tea plant. And then, of course, other herbs and florals can be added to this tea leaf to create a beautiful blend and add more health properties. But the potent antioxidant of the tea is actually in that tea leaf. So whatever concoction you like with white tea not really having caffeine, black tea and green tea having the caffeine, they all have anti-inflammatory properties and have been shown to protect against cancer and actually reverse the age-related cognitive decline. Next, we have chocolate. And if it's dark chocolate with not a lot of added sugar, it is great for you. Full of flavonoids. Last, we'll end on alcohol because this one's a little bit tricky. So overusing alcohol actually causes inflammation. However, low levels, and I'm talking one to two glasses of wine specifically, can prevent against cardiovascular disease, neurodegenerative disease like Alzheimer's, cavities in your teeth, hematological cancer, MS, and autoimmune diseases. But I really do need to be clear that the amount matters. So one to two glasses, and I'm talking six out pours, not huge glasses, can protect you. But the moment you start to drink more than two glasses a day, the benefit pretty much goes out the window and actually causes inflammation. With that note, I do want to round out this talk with talking about balance. 
So once you discover nutrition and health, a lot of people can get stuck in this mindset of only eating things that are good and being terrified by things that are bad for you. And stressed out that if they do happen to drink three glasses of wine or they eat a fried chicken sandwich, then they're causing all this inflammation in your body. And that's also not how it works. Your body, again, and as I've talked about in prior episodes, is meant to be this dynamic thing. You have to give your body more credit. If, for most of the time, you are treating your body right, you're eating these anti-inflammatory foods, you're exercising, you're not smoking, you are building resiliency in your body over time so that when you go and splurge every once in a while, you set yourself up for success and your body does what it's meant to do. Again, like I've talked about in the mind-body episode and the adaptogenic episode, Our bodies aren't meant to live in perfect condition all the time. Health is really about supporting your body and then allowing it to do what it was built to do. Give your body more credit. It really is an amazing, fascinating, and still quite a mysterious machine. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and share so we can get the conversation started about integrative and psychedelic medicine. Let's destigmatize it and have open-minded conversations so we can fully explore what this could mean in the world.